And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Hi, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello. Well, gentlemen, you know, last week we talked a little bit about salvation. We got into some of the different experiences that people will have as they come to Jesus Christ. And uh, towards the end of our discussion, we actually um, provided uh, really a challenge, an invitation for people to receive Jesus Christ um, as your Savior. Uh, Today, what we want to do is now extend that discussion, talk a little bit more about how God really does his marvelous work of salvation in people's hearts. Before we open the mic, I think, John, you were sharing a short little story, and maybe that would be a a good way to open today's discussion. Well, this kind of picks up last week. We were fairly anecdotal last week, and let me start with one. Uh, I I do recall uh, in a revival meeting once where a uh, young man was on the altar, so to speak, bowing, Mm -hmm. trying Mm -hmm. to receive assurance that he'd been saved, and and uh, one counselor in the left ear was uh, uh, counseling uh, the young man to, to, to let go, let go, let mm-hmm. go. Sure. And, and on the other side, in the other ear, another counselor was shouting into his ear, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so uh, that, that is a bit confusing and sure. uh, yeah. uh, so forth. So what, what really does the Scripture teach? Well, there is in the Bible, if you will, an order of salvation. There's a fancy Latin word for it, ordo salutis. Mm-hmm. But you find an order of salvation uh, not in one place where it's complete, but in various places. And when you put them together, you begin to see how God does his marvelous work in our lives. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the first place I would turn to, of course, is is Romans chapter 8. It may be the fullest place in the Bible where we have mm-hmm. an ordo salutis. And in fact, uh, let, me, let me just read a couple of things. Uh, you find there in the passage, starting in that famous Romans 8.28, we know that in everything God works for good with those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Hmm. So while this is not complete, there are other words that we have to consider and concepts. Here is, if you will, in the Apostle Paul's writings, an order of how to understand. It begins in eternity past and will be carried all the way to completion at the final day when we stand before the Lord in our glorified bodies. So this is kind of like the highlights of the order of salvation. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah, and, and especially, you know, Paul is writing that from really uh, God's perspective, what God is doing. You know, there are other things sometimes we look at what we see and what's going on, but actually God's doing a lot more than what we see. Or as the hymn says, we judge God by feeble sense. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And so, you know, sometimes when we talk about uh, salvation and and what happens, we're talking about what we see, but in fact there's a lot more going on. And that's that order salutis, you know. Foreknowledge, predestination, calling, all those things. Mm-hmm. 
Now, when God says that he foreknows, uh, of course God knows all. If he didn't, he wouldn't be God. But um, I believe that the um, the meaning here in Romans 8.29 of foreknew needs to be explained a little bit. Um, isn't the idea of uh, this um, affection, this delight that God has towards us, kind of like a loving us ahead of time? Well, th- well think of... Uh uh, of this, the scriptures clearly define God essentially as God is love. That is in First John mm-hmm. chapter four. God mm-hmm. is love. That's what God is. So, what does foreknowledge mean here? Actually, in the passage, uh, you you could probably better translate this for love. And let me explain why. Uh, mm-hmm. When God created Adam and Eve, the scripture says that that Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and bore a son. Um, wh- what does this know mean? Of course, it's a euphemism. They, they had re- uh, relations with one another, but it is a relationship born out of love. Hmm. And then when God calls Israel, he says to him something wonderful, where it says, You, O Israel, have I known of all the people of the face of the earth. And we discover that the Hebrew word that's translated know there actually can be translated love. I've loved you supremely and called you and chose you for myself. So there is, if you will, a past to this word. Mm -hmm. Before we Mm -hmm. get to it, there is a pre-understanding all the way through the Scripture that knowledge in a real sense, to have knowledge of in God's sense, is to have love for. And so when the Scripture says God foreknew us, in a real sense, we can understand that God foreloved us. Mm-hmm. Before we were even mm-hmm. born, he saw us. Yeah, that helps bring out the meaning better, I think, of this Romans eight twenty nine passage. I appreciate that. What about um, this word election? Um, most recently, you know, we talked a little bit um, a few sessions ago about Harold Camping and his teachings. And um, what I learned about him was that he had a, horrible misunderstanding, actually, of election, and really misrepresented the biblical doctrine of election, where all that he got out of it was the notion of, oh, I hope God will save me. He acknowledged that God did the saving, but there was like zero assurance there. Um, Can we talk a little bit about this foreknowledge being actually same as foreloved, and God's, it's really an electing love, yeah, exactly. You put it very well, Dan. It's a, it's God's election is the election of us, or the choosing of us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we use the term choose out of love for us to be his own. And because of that, uh, there's all manner of other things that are going to happen whereby we know we are his. It's not something where election is kind of a fatalistic type of thing that, as in Islam, where maybe God will save you, maybe he won't. Who knows? You know, the the way I understand election is in the words of of John in his letters, not not in the gospel, but in his letters. He says, it's not that we love him, but that he first loved us. Mm-hmm. And the important love here, in one sense, is God's love for us, because it is the ground and foundation of any human response that we may have of love and faith in Christ. So, yes, the, God's election is not to be understood. God casts one for us, and the devil casts one against us, and we choose whomever we will. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. If God is for us, says Romans 8, 
Who can be against us? Because his electing love makes us willing, and it opens our eyes. We were dead in sins. opens our eyes to a new and wonderful truth that God was in Christ, bringing us to himself, and he did so through his cross and through the sending of his Holy Spirit to gather us up. Yeah, and that's what differentiates... For example, the the one who hears the gospel, because one of the aspects of an order of salvation is is then the gospel call, the preaching of the word of God, and people hear that. Some people receive it, some do not. Well, there are two calls, actually. There's the call of the gospel. Outward, yeah. Outwardly. And then there's the the inward inward call. call, An inward call, yeah. And that inward call is, is the call of the Holy Spirit, which... Which brings us uh, to that point where we can accept it, because otherwise we would not. Mm-hmm. And here again, we have to understand how lost we are. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. Mm-hmm. Can a dead man choose God? Could dead Lazarus come out of the grave? Yeah. You know. Uh, There's this passage in, uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 6, and it, it, is, a, it is one of the most hopeful and glorious passages about salvation in all of the Bible. And I've turned to it, and uh, it, it's the passage where Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and it mm-hmm. is talking about this inward call. Uh, do we have time for me to just comment on yeah, this a sure. bit? sure. Uh, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Now I want you to notice what Jesus says in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. Mm, Amen. Then he goes on to say, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up at the last day. Mm. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so Jesus goes on here to talk about this inward call. And uh, this is a wonderful passage. All that the Father gives me shall come to mm-hmm. me. Right. There's something um, effectual is the word about that. It's effectual call. calling. It's the work of the Holy Spirit yeah. in our hearts. Yeah. yeah, it really works. Well, I see we're up against a break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about this notion of uh, the illustration of Lazarus. I, I have a, an illustration here shared by James Montgomery Boyce, and we'll open with that when we mm-hmm. come back. This is Redeemer Broadcasting's A Plain Answer. Please stay with us.
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. Come at the Lord's invitation. Receive from His nail-scarred hand. Eat of the bread of salvation. Come on and drink of the blood of the Lamb. Eat of the And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today we're talking about salvation and how God works in our salvation. I mentioned before the break that there was an illustration shared some years ago by Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, and I just want to read this to uh, get us started on this side of the break. And he says this, The other kind of call is internal, specific, and effectual. That is, it not only issues the invitation, it also provides the ability or willingness to respond positively. It is God's drawing to himself or bringing to spiritual life the one who, without that call, would remain spiritually dead and far from him. Then Dr. Boyce goes on, he says, There is no greater illustration of this than Jesus' calling of Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha who had died four days before. Lazarus in his grave is a picture of every human being in his or her natural state, dead in body and soul, bound with grave clothes, lying in a tomb, sealed with some great stone. Let's call to him, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus, we want you back, we miss you. If you will just get up out of that tomb and return to us, you'll find that we are all anxious to have you back. No one here is going to put any obstructions in your way. What? Won't Lazarus come? Doesn't he want to be with us? The problem is that Lazarus does not have the ability to come back. The call is given, but he cannot come. Ah, but let Jesus take his place before the tomb. Let Jesus call out, Lazarus, come forth. And the case is quite different. The words are the same, But now the call is no mere invitation, it is an effectual calling. For the same God who originally called the creation out of nothing is now calling life out of death, and his call is heard. Lazarus, though he had been dead four days, hears Jesus and obeys his master's voice. 
Yeah, this shows how dead we are and how we need the Holy Spirit to enliven us. It, and, it shows and what a great course. expositor James Montgomery Boyce <laughs> is, is, too. Yes. <laughs> it does. And I am reminded of the uh, Romans 3 passage also, um, where the apostle writes, there is none who seeks after God. He actually was quoting, I believe, a portion from Psalms. There is none who seeks after God. So it really does take God's inward call, that effectual call, that uh, is successful every time as he brings forth a people for himself. And you can see this in Acts 16. John had mentioned this. This is the case of Lydia when Paul is evangelizing in John 16, verse 14. And start there. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening, and the Lord opened her heart. Mm. It's the Lord who opened her heart and yeah, good uh, point. responded to the things spoken by Paul. You know, this is also found in John's Gospel, chapter 6. I mentioned before the break uh, a passage in John's Gospel, the Bread of Life passage. Mm. And uh, I, I knew we would come back to this, so I revisited, uh, want to revisit this through reading verse 44 and these are the words of jesus he says no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and i will raise him up at the last day Mm, that's a powerful verse Uh Yeah. yeah i remember coming across this some years ago when i was starting to understand god's sovereignty a little bit more and yeah i thought you know It surprised me. Here it was in the Gospels. I was expected in Romans or one of the other epistles, but here it's in the Gospel where Jesus is so very clear about how we come to faith in him. Um, It takes the Father who draws us, and if that Mm -hmm. doesn't happen, it won't happen. The the great Dutch writer and theologian, G.C. Burkauer says in his wonderful book that I read when I was in seminary, it's it's on justification. He says, uh, you may understand some of these things differently depending on your denomination, but he says one thing is for sure, that you've not rightly understood the gospel unless you understand that grace always comes before faith or God's work in our lives through the power of his Holy Spirit is always prior to our response. Mm, well put. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. that's what we call sometimes regeneration. Go yes. back to John chapter three where mm-hmm. Jesus say you must be born again and that's what we need. We need to be born again because we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Mm-hmm. And once we have this regeneration, we will believe we will trust. We will have that faith and repentance unto salvation. You know, it is possible, though, to believe that God is sovereign in salvation and not have assurance. There, uh, I think this is uh, Harold Camping's problem historically when he gets to this point. There's something missing. There's something yeah. pastorally uh, absent from his presentation. And it is this that we are talking about a God who loves us supremely to bring us to himself in love. He Mm. calls us and quickens us and enables us to respond to his word. But the important thing, too, is when we understand this, that this is not impersonal. It's something that makes us willing. And and God 
pours out through the Spirit his love into our hearts. Mm -hmm. And we have a relationship with the Lord, and we also have assurance. Mm -hmm. His Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are his children. And that's why we're able to call him Father. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And Paul writing to the Corinthians, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, what... What some of the new things? Our love for God. Mm-hmm. You know, before Luther was saved, before while Luther was trusting in his own salvation, he said, "Love God. I hate God. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's my enemy." And as soon as he he let go, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and uh, trusted in Jesus Christ, then you could see the the great love of God welling mm-hmm. up in Martin mm-hmm. Luther. The apostle would uh, tell the Ephesians that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. a while back, Mark, you mentioned uh, John 3, uh, that um, you must be born again. Leading up to that um, is that familiar story where Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is a miraculous um, transaction that takes place Mm -hmm. where God takes our sins, and God has already done it in Christ, laid our sins on his son Jesus Christ as he died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. And now God grants us faith to believe the gospel. And man, that changes everything. That's like scales from your eyes falling yeah. off. That's like breathing life into a dead corpse. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the biggest thing that could ever happen in your entire life is receiving Jesus Christ. Well, gentlemen, I see we're close on time already today. We've talked about salvation. We've talked about that big Latin phrase, ordo salutis, uh, the order of salvation. And and I think the bottom line there that came out in this is that grace comes first. It's God who works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. How about some wrap-up thoughts? I like what uh, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ. Mm. It says it all. It just shows us how God has pursued us. Yeah, It's not us pursuing God, but God has pursued us. And won't let us go. As Francis Thompson puts it, the hound of heaven. The hound of heaven, yeah. (laughs) Well, let me just fit this in. A quick story. It says, years ago, Harry Ironside, the great Bible teacher, told a story about an older Christian who was asked to give his testimony. He told how God had sought him out, found him, how God had loved him, called him, saved him, delivered him, cleansed him, and healed him. It was a great witness to the grace, power, and glory of God. But after the meeting, a rather legalistic brother took him aside and criticized his testimony. He said, I appreciated all you said about what God did for you, but you didn't mention anything about your part in it. Salvation is really part us and part God. You should have mentioned something about your part. 
Oh, yes, the older Christian said, I apologize for that. I'm sorry. I really should have said something about my part. My part was running away, and his part was running after me until he caught me. (laughs) A good story there from Ironside. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Maybe you have a spiritual question for this fine group of pastors. We would welcome your response, your questions. Please email them to ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. That's ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. We're interested in particular of questions regarding salvation, how you can know Jesus Christ, how you can have assurance of salvation. We would love to help. Please email us. We'll look for your notes. We've had today in the studio the Reverend Mark Diedrich, Dr. John Vance. Please join us again next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.